This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show number 248. And today we are talking about fasting and I have invited the uh, spilling over with energy about fasting, Dr. Mindy Peltz, to join me uh, to navigate this topic. And the reason I wanted to put fasting at the end of our brain series uh, is because there are actually three incredible aspects to fasting that highly uh, impact in a very positive way our brains. And so even though we're talking about fasting in general today, the fact that we also talk specifically about how fasting benefits the brain, uh, it just had to be a part of our brain series because I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's talked about a lot as a weight loss tool, It's talked about a lot for um, maybe energy and hormones. Uh, It's talked about negatively a lot because a lot of people don't understand the ins and outs of fasting, um, how it differs for women, men, how it differs for women at different times in the cycle, whether you're pre or postmenopausal. There's so many different aspects. Um, But because there is that benefit to the brain, I just wanted to chuck it in this series because I wanted to make sure that that point came across for anyone who needed it. Uh, But we talk about all sorts of things today in fasting. Mindy is a research uh, nutter. She has absolutely every relevant study with a good enough amount of people who've been through that study uh, and uh, talks very, very passionately and knowledgeably about fasting to break down some of the myths, the confusion, uh, the... um, this, the fear around fasting, uh, because, you know, and I talk about this in the show today, we talk about uh, how we're almost terrified to be hungry. And I often wonder whether that is a, um, a learnt ancestral belief that we have from war times and times of great lack, the Great Depression, for example. I mean, we've all got ancestors who have been through some really hideous things. And uh, here we are these days, the people listening to this podcast is a good chance that you don't have to go hungry and it's always there and you can always grab something if you want something. And so we still have that fear inbuilt. And one of the ways we keep that fear at bay is to just eat all the time. And so today we talk about all sorts of things that come up when we uh, undertake Uh, experiments in fasting for ourselves because Mindy's very passionate about N equals one. So that's you looking at what works for you um, because you are a unique individual. And, uh, And so we talk about different windows of fasting and what happens at different amounts of hours that one fasts in terms of what's happening physiologically and and, and from a biochemistry point of view. Uh, We also talk about uh, women fasting, men fasting, fasting for cancer patients and recovery. 
we managed to cover quite a lot in an hour and 15 minutes, I tell you. So (laughs) buckle up. Maybe you need a notepad for this one if it's a topic you're really interested in, or hopefully I'm in your ears and you're taking a beautiful walk in nature. As I record this, I'm bunkered down in my bedroom in lockdown in Sydney. Uh, For anyone listening to this in the future, I really hope I'm not still here, Um, but uh, I'm really, really thrilled to be able to bring you this uh, interview because it's, um, for me, one of those big confusion topics, and I wanted to bring someone who is anti-confusion and really supportive and very, very knowledgeable in her area of specialization. So you guys are going to love Mindy. Now I'm going to hook into that interview in just a little second, but I want to remind you all the month of August, you have 20% off the Walida range in Australia. It excludes gift vouchers, gift packs, and promotional items. Your code is Walida August, all one word, uppercase. And you can just head to their website, walida.com.au stock up if you're a regular Walida user of a few products here and there. I know uh, a couple of members of my family are definitely stocking up on a few things. I know my sister uses a few of the white mallow and calendula baby range for her little peeps. And uh, I am a huge fan of the evening, evening primrose eye cream. Absolutely love the new hydrating facial cream. It is just beautiful. Uh, and actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about that hydrating facial um, range uh, today because what they've done, uh, and this is a, quite a new range for, for Walida, is they've brought out four new products called the Hydrating Facial Range. And if you didn't hear me talk about this last week, the best way you can know whether your skin is dehydrated is to push a bit of your cheek up towards your eye. And I'm doing it now because you could probably hear it in my voice. (laughs) And as you push it up, you'll either see just a big plump round of skin or you'll see a whole bunch of little fine feathery lines. Now, obviously, hydration happens from the inside out as well as the outside in. So, you know, add a little pinch of salt to get some minerals into your water. You could do something like that, a couple of glasses a day. Um, And interestingly, you will need to pee a little bit less. The hydration will actually get in. Uh, It's a fascinating thing to do. But when we're looking at getting the hydration from the outside in, uh, it's not entirely easy to do. And some ways that people do it is with something synthetic like hyaluronic acid, but Walida have found a way to do it naturally. And they've done that by harnessing the organic prickly pear extract. A prickly pear extract, I feel like I'm tongue twisting, um, contains high content of water binding polysaccharides, nature's answer to hallucinogenics. Oh my gosh, I'm still thinking of Maya's episode, Maya She Treat, a couple of weeks ago. Nature's answer to hyaluronic acid. Now, try saying that a couple of times after a um, gin and soda. And uh, supports the skin's ability to store water. So it delivers super long lasting yet weightless moisture. So if you're not someone who's a fan of rich creams, which by the way, if you have skin dehydration, an oil-based rich cream is not the way to go. You're lacking water. You're not lacking oil. Uh, Oil tends to be more for quite deep set wrinkles that you would need a cream like that. So if dehydration is your issue and you've done that little cheek test, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, there are a ton of fine feathery lines, uh, then this could be the range for you. So I would definitely recommend you jump onto the Walida website and check it out. 
Uh, I have tried and been through an entire tube of the hydrating facial cream, uh, which is absolutely gorgeous. And I have reordered it again. So that for me is always a sign that I'm really enjoying a product. They also have this beautiful cooling hydrating eye gel um, and the facial mist, which is something I use first thing in the morning or, um, you know, if it's a bit of a hot day, I'm working on the balcony, got lots of sun. It's just a gorgeous thing to keep your skin hydrated. There's also a lotion for normal to combination skin. Great for teens. Uh, and, uh, for the hydrating facial cream, that's more of a dry to oil, a dry to normal, which is why I'm using that one. So that's it from me. Please do check out the new range. I'm going to talk a little bit more about how they source the prickly pen next week. Uh, but remember you got 20% off all month. Walida August is your code. Walida.com.au is your website done. Let us now start talking about fasting and the wonderful world of it with Dr. Mindy Peltz. Enjoy. Hello, Mindy. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. I absolutely love following you on Instagram. You have just the most amazing energy, the most incredible, generous heart and sharing on your passion topic, which is fasting. And uh, we've discussed fasting in and out of the show over the years, but I really wanted to have you on the show because I feel like you're at the um, forefront of the research of how fasting impacts us in different states, stages of life, men versus women. You really help people understand um, how fasting can apply to them as an individual. And, uh, and I think there is a lot of confusion and oh, there yeah. are a lot of people <laughs> that fast and then give up and they wonder why it didn't work and they wonder that they feel worse than before. And yep. there are a few tricks to doing this. So Yes, there is. It's not as simple as just, it's not as simple as just stop eating. That's yeah. very, very true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just first want to ask uh, for anyone in our audience who hasn't come across your work before, I love asking people how they decided to become a doctor and then why you ended up specializing in the area that you did. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a, that's a long answer, but I'm going to give you my very short explanation. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, I'm 51 now. So when I was 19, 20 years old, I, I had my own health crisis. I had, uh, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and I was, uh, pretty much told to drop out of school and to just focus on, uh, experimenting with different trial medications. I was a scholarship athlete at the time. Uh, I played, uh, at the university of Kansas on a tennis, tennis scholarship. Ah, we have a tennis and, passion in common. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. right. You said that, you said that earlier. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. So I really, um, I had to get back to school. I was holding mm. the scholarship position, like dropping out of school really wasn't in my plan. And, um, I was really let down by what was perceived as the top chronic fatigue specialist who pretty much gave me this grim prognosis and then told me, you know, to go home and just test these medications. And what, luckily my mom was like this, this thinker of, we just no stone unturned. We're just going to find the solution. And so she took me to a whole, a homeopathic MD who literally changed my diet. And he put me on the ketogenic diet. It was not called the ketogenic diet at the time, but he just said, you're going to go on meat and vegetables and that's all you're going to eat. And so I did that. And within literally three weeks, my energy was back. I was back at school within about six weeks. I was back on the tennis court and like my whole life changed just from a diet change. Wow. 
so I became infatuated with nutrition. And so the logical place at that point in my journey to go to was chiropractic school. I wanted to learn more about like lifestyle medicine. I wanted to learn how to really address uh, people in a natural way because I had this incredible result. So I got into being a doctor that path. And then when I graduated chiropractic school, that was about the time here in America where glyphosate was really starting to be sprayed on wheat and uh, a lot of pesticide use. And we were seeing books like wheat belly coming out and grain brain. And I started to see more logically why this strange diet, this guy put me on at 20 works so well for me. And I really rearranged my whole practice based off of what we saw in trends in, in nutrition. And I just started to do so much more work on not just nutrition, but fasting and really looking at lifestyle as the cure for people. And I, I think that's where my fascination right now is, is how do we start to build health from a lifestyle perspective, especially for women? Um, and then from there I launched into fasting, just the studies on fasting are amazing and, uh, intriguing. And, uh, and so I started applying fasting to all my patients and it was crazy how they healed so much faster. And so that's kind of where my journey has been. Um, and now I'm literally addicted to the science of fasting and the application. <laughs> I <maybe>. can tell. <laughs> Cause you know, what's amazing, like, and you probably know this from having a following on social media is I can go to the science. I can go, okay, that makes sense. I can apply it maybe to myself, maybe to my family, but then you, when you apply it to hundreds of thousands of people on social media and you see it work over and over and over again, it, it strengthens your conviction and it makes you very clear that there are certain ways the human body wants to be treated and certain ways it doesn't. And one thing that I am very clear on is that we were not built to eat all day. Mm. Mm -hmm. We were not. <laughs> and it, it's no. really amazing how disconnected from that we are, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so no, they, um, I, I, I really, I think that's like a really key point and I've been watching the trends in fasting and it feels like we went from fasting as a tool for weight loss and that Jason Fung kind of brought that to our uh, attention. Then we went to stem cells and Walter Longo really would like brought that to our attention. And then we've gone to this kind of ambiguous place of like, well, what do women do? And then I feel like now the new question is what's more important when we eat or what we eat? And I feel like that's kind of where we're sitting right now in the fasting world is a lot of debate over how long should we be fasting and then what should we break our fast with? And it's just, it's really interesting to see the metamorphosis of the fasting world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And no doubt like a convergence between what and when, right? And it, that's right. Got to be a sweet spot in the end. Absolutely. Yeah, there, yeah, there absolutely mm. is. Yeah. And so I, I'm really glad that you brought up a couple of big trends, big names that brought things to the table because being like the average Joe out there trying to figure out how to support their health. They've been told your labs are fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, that's sort of a person, which many of us are, which is why we seek out these communities in the first place. Very um, true. 
And then you're hit with different protocols, different memberships, different programs, different ideas, competing theories. And, oh God. and people don't know um, what to follow anymore. And we stop trusting ourselves, which is obviously the most important, um, yeah. you know, when we can really tap into what our bodies are um, guiding us towards uh, if we can hear them again, which obviously is a lost well art as well. Yeah. Um, how do we navigate fasting as a starting out person? Yeah, it will. I'm a huge fan of the concept of the N of one. And I really think for your listeners, just to kind of, if they haven't heard that term, I think with all of these trends, what's important is that we understand why they work in the human body, which is a large part of why I try to break the science down around fasting. And then we go, okay, what is it that's right for me? And the thing with fasting that is a little bit different than like a diet shift is that the human body, like I said earlier, was not meant to eat all day. So we were actually meant to go through periods of time where we are not eating so our body can repair. So when people tell me, well, fasting um, doesn't work for me, I feel a little bit like that's like saying sleep doesn't work for me. It's, we were made to sleep. We were made to move. We were made to fast. So the first thing to understand is that your body knows what to do. The problem is that you have trained it to expect food all day long. So we've got to go back to training it and getting it back into its primitive roots. And the best way to do that, there's really two steps that I like to give people. One is let's look at what you're eating. So we always talk about, I'm sure you've talked about metabolic flexibility on your um, podcast before, but what's happened is a lot of us have become very uh, efficient sugar burners, meaning that we only get our energy from the foods we eat. So if our blood sugar goes down, we reach for food to make our blood sugar go up. Now, when we eat foods like bad oils, refined carbohydrates, refined sugars, and toxic ingredients, we actually make it that so that we have to eat more often. We, we, because our blood sugar is doing this up and down sort of path. So the first step to learning how to fast is to get rid of those three ingredients. Like, let's just, just make a lateral change with the oils. Let's move to the avocado oils, the olive oils, the, some of the um, like more organic seed oils, not the, not the highly processed seed oils. So you, you change your oils and you start to bring down your refined carbohydrates. And it's really, I like to switch into more like nature's carbs. So go from, instead of bread, do a potato. Uh, instead of, you know, cookies, crackers, try fruit and vegetables, like see what we can do to make that switch and then get rid of any toxic ingredients here in America. Those three things are like in every grocery store, like 90% of what we, we are eating are those three things. After you've done that, now you're ready to learn how to switch over into a whole nother energy system. And it's called, I call it the fat burning energy system. Um, it could also be known as the ketogenic energy system. And this system is going, when your blood sugar goes down, it will signal you to switch over into the fat burning energy system. And now what will happen is your body will burn energy from fat. 
And we call, and this is, this is what ketones are. It's that you've switched into this ketogenic energy system. And now it is using all the fat that it's stored over the years. And it's making ketones. Ketones will go up into the brain. They start to repair the brain. They kill hunger. There's a lot of great benefits to ketones. But in order to make that switch, you've got to avoid those first three ingredients I talked about. And then you've got to take your eating window and you got to compress it. So ultimately, there's a lot of theories on what's the best eating window. And the research shows somewhere between eight to 10 hours of eating every day is the, is the healthiest for us. Um, but most of us are eating 12 hours a day. So just start pushing your breakfast back an hour and you do that for a couple of days. And then maybe you push it back another hour and you slowly take the time you're eating and you're just compressing it and elongating the time that you're fasting. And that alone transforms people's lives. Those three things, plus you're going to eat, eat in a shorter window and fast a little longer. Like for a lot of people, that's all they need to do. Mm-hmm. And they're going to feel incredible. Yeah. I had um, Dale Bredesen on the show a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the first survivors of Alzheimer's. It was just such an exciting conversation. And he, um, uh, what's it called? A Keto Flex 12-3, I think it is. So three Mm. hours before you go to bed, nada, no food. Perfect. Absolute minimum, the 12-hour window of no food. Yes. Yeah. uh, Every night. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is just that basic framework that we can all go, okay, I could do that. Right. It's baby steps. And then we start to inch towards the 10 and then the eight, right? Right. Mm. The thing that happens with fasting is it gets a little addictive. And I mean that in a very (laughs) positive way, um, because as you fast longer, your hunger goes away and you feel so good that you start to see, oh, wait, I feel better without food. And when I eat food, I maybe get sleepy or my mind gets a little sluggish. And so you start to kind of crave some of the longer periods. And we can talk about how you make sure you're staying safe and you don't go too long. But I would say that I like a 15-hour, 16-hour fasting window, I think is really good. And somewhere, you know, between eight to 10 hours of eating, um, you know, you can do the math on what works right for you. But 12 is a little short for me. Um, especially when we're looking at women, uh, there's some research showing a really impressive research that women who had breast cancer, if all they did is intermittent fast 13 hours after the traditional breast cancer, uh, treatment that they had a 70% less reoccurrence of that breast cancer and all they didn't change what they ate. All they did is 13 hours of fasting every day. Wow. That's it's crazy. huge. It's huge. And that study was done on over 2000 women. That's, so that's a lot of women. That's a lot. And we don't have a lot of women studies on fasting. I was just but, about to say, yeah. yeah, exactly. We take that research where we can get it. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so can we maybe talk about um, the different windows of fasting and what is happening maybe to our brains, to our physiology? Let's get a bit nerdy in the science. As we go a longer window, what is yeah. happening in the body? Yep. Yeah. So the, I, I call it the fasting timeline benefits. It's like, it, it, I think of it like switches, like light switches. And some of the healing switches that get turned on are immediate. And some of them are more like a dimmer switch. So I'll, I'll go through each one, but 13 to 15 hours, you're starting to switch out of sugar burner. You're going into fat burner and you are making ketones 
for the most part, most people that will happen. So when the people that doesn't happen, Oh, it's a great question. Mm. (laughs) I'm Uh, not letting you go there. I know. uh, (laughs) uh, Toxic people, toxins are the biggie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Toxins make it really hard hard. to make ketones recovering from mold. My leptin is sky high and it is, I feel like I'm nearly there, but it has taken literally years to to get there. Mm. Yeah. Heavy metals and mold are the mm. hardest. They mm. are the the toughest to get those people to make that switch over. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel so comforted I by that for- because then you feel like it's like, it's not me. I don't have a willpower problem. I don't have a, my body's not against me. We're just on a tough journey. And I think yeah. a lot of people need to remind themselves of that when they're coming through more difficult situations. Yeah. Mm. I call them metabolic blockers because we're meant to go in and out of these two states of metabolism and some went, there are certain things that block people from going in and out. Mold and heavy metals are a big one. That's probably the number one thing. Stress is another one. If you are under a tremendous amount of stress, you're going to keep cortisol high. And as long as cortisol is high, it's really hard to balance insulin. So you won't be able to get in and out of these two states very effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back to the window. So 13 yep. to 15 hours, we're switching. Yeah. Uh, then what's happening? So then after that, oh, and the other thing to know on the 13 to 15 hours, and this is a male study. So, um, you know, my feeling on mice and male studies is it gets us in the ballpark for women. Um, it's not, I wish we had more women studies, but at least it kind of gives us an indication. And at, uh, 15 hours, uh, men saw, they saw an increase, a 1300% increase in testosterone. Oh, wow. So right at 24 hours, it goes up to 2000% increase in testosterone. Mm-hmm. So super interesting. So, but that's, that's 13 to 15. The next marker is 17. So at 17 hours, you start autophagy and at, which is an internal mechanism inside the cell that forces the cell to clean its act up. And the way I like to look at it is after 17 hours of the blood sugar starting to dip down, the cells are so intelligent that they look around inside and they're like, hey, if we have any broken endoplasmic reticulum in here, if, if some of these mitochondria are not doing their job and we've got some inflammation and bacteria and viruses that are in here, we better clean our act up because food's not coming. So we need to be stronger. And a lot of people have looked at autophagy as like a detox, but it's really not a detox. It's a resetting of the cell and that that cell figures out what needs to happen. So we were talking before we hit the record button that one thing that we know is that if a bacteria or a virus or even mold, this is where somebody, you know, with a mold toxicity, we would want to get them comfortable at 17 hours because it's in that period that the cell can actually get rid of those organic material and get it out of the cell. Now, sometimes what happens at 17 hours is the intelligence looks around the cell and goes, hey, this is a hot mess cell and this cell is going to go rogue and it's going to become a cancer cell. So let's kill this cell right now. And that process is called apoptosis. And it, once that cell dies, I mean, that's a really good thing because you don't want a cancer cell to go rogue. 
But if you do have something like mold or you have something like heavy metals, it can actually get redistributed into other areas of the body. So this is where like the nuance becomes really important. But a lot of people are huge fans of autophagy for undoing the years of traumatic living of, you know, toxic living, they lean into these 17 hour fasts to be able to help them with that. Mm -hmm. And so when you said it can get redistributed into another part of the body, what does that mean? Does that mean the cleaning doesn't work well and it accidentally doesn't get rid of that cell? Yeah. It's usually the the heavy metals Mm -hmm. and because they're not organic. So mold is a little different because it's a little more organic. Um, and it usually goes to fat. It'll go up into the brain typically, or, um, you can see things like rashes. So people who say they have the keto flu or they get a rash from, um, from fasting, that's just the body trying to push these toxins out, trying it's killed some cells. It needs to get it out of you. If you get constipated, it's possible that now, you know, you've just, your body's just dumped all this toxicity into the gut and your pathway isn't open. So Mm. That's, so, that's I mean, primarily. that sounds like a really good idea to work with a practitioner to make sure you put some binders in place, some things exactly. that help you move your bowels. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the, we call it opening the detox pathways. You want to make sure that you've, you're having daily bowel movements. Um, a sweat would be great. Um, uh, dry brushing is great. Uh, rebounders to get some lymph moving is great. Castor oil packs, coffee enemas, uh, just hydrating these things, the longer you fast become more important. Mm. And so a common question here is, but in our primal days, we didn't have castor oil packs and enemas and but like, so is it really because, and I'm just going to use an analogy here because it might um, hit the nail on the head. Is it because what we're dealing with is going and helping grandma declutter her house that she lived in for 70 years and it's just such a mess that we actually need a whole bunch of extra tools to get things going? Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I, I'm sure you say this all the time. I, I probably 10 times a day explain to people we are living in the most toxic time in human history. The, the way that the, the environment the human body is living in is, is so different than grandma's environment, than our cave people's environment. And so our body's having to try to get rid of this toxicity at a faster rate than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And I've seen you guide people on much longer fasts and things like five day water fasts and preparing for that. Um, what are the benefits of then going into those longer multiple day fasts? Yeah. So I believe that there are about six different length fasts that people can benefit from. The two easiest ones are the first two that I told you, intermittent fasting, and I call the second one autophagy fasting. The third one is uh, what I'm now calling the gut reset fast. And the reason I call it that is it was study, it was a mouse study done uh, in MIT And it showed that 24 hours of fasting caused a reboot or a reset to the intestinal stem cells and that the gut was able to clean itself up. So leaky gut syndrome, anybody who has left with really bad bacterial imbalances from antibiotics or birth control, um, anybody who's struggling with SIBO or parasites or candida, the 24-hour fast is phenomenal for just resetting the terrain inside the gut. 
So that that's the next one. And then after that is 36 hours. This is actually one I've just seen from fasting so many people. Uh, Jason Fung talks a little bit about this one, but the research is not as clear. But they show that what I'm seeing is the more you do a 36 hour fast, the more you force your body to go after the glucose and insulin that it stored years ago, that it, I call it the fat burner fast. If you're struggling to lose weight, sometimes often throwing a 36 hour fast at your weight loss endeavors really, really helps because you tell your body, Hey, I stored some glucose a couple of years ago. I stored some insulin over there. I might've even stored some toxins. Why don't you go find that and burn that for a while? Because no food is coming in. And it usually takes about 36 hours to really get the body to go find that. So that's why that's the 36. 48 is fascinating. The research on 48. 48 hours has two key things to it. One they actually are seeing dopamine receptor sites reboot themselves. So if, the, if there were toxins affecting dopamine receptor sites, that those toxins get cleared out and new dopamine receptor sites actually start to form. Wow. Right? So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, so I call the 48 hour fast, my happiness fast. <laughs> that yeah. it is like, if you're, you know, so many menopausal women, especially will tell me, I just don't feel joy like the way I used to feel joy before. And I don't, I don't understand why. And when we get her fasting and doing lots of fasting variation after the 48 hour fast, we see a real shift in her levels of joy. So I love it for that. We've also seen some great research showing that the Krebs cycle will start to spit out antioxidants at 48 hours. This was a human study. It was a controlled, controlled study done with where they hospitalized people and they took, you know, made sure no, only water for 48 hours, but they saw new antioxidants being uh, produced off of the Krebs cycle that were antioxidants specific for anti-aging. Wow. And can we just do Krebs cycle definition for the beginners? Yes. So Krebs cycle is how each cell, each mitochondria, Mm -hmm. which is the part of the cell that makes energy. This is how it makes energy. Mm -hmm. It will make, uh, the more efficient it becomes, it makes ATP, but it also makes certain uh, antioxidants uh, in order to heal us, to slow aging down. So it's, it's like the basic unit of energy for the cells that keeps us alive. Nice. Thank you for the detour there. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Sorry. So that's 48 hours. And then the Mac daddy is 72 hours. Uh, Walter Longo taught us that at 72 hours, uh, you will see a reboot of, of stem cells specifically within the immune system. And just so we're clear on what a stem cell is, a stem cell can go anywhere in the body and repair any part of the body. So a stem cell, when we say we see stem cells at 24 hours, that those were intestinal stem cells. What Walter Longo found is that the white blood cells that would often get demolished from he, his original work was done on uh, patients going through chemotherapy that what they found was if they put them through a three-day water fast while they were going through chemotherapy, that there was this decline in white blood cells, 
around the 72 or 72nd hour, but then all of a sudden new stem cell or new white blood cells would form. And this whole new immune system would be rebuilt. Well, for a cancer patient, this is huge because with chemo, chemo just decimates the immune system. And then although it killed the cancer, the cancer patient is left with this poor immune system. But if we can throw a three-day water fast in there and reboot all of these white blood cells that have been worn out and exhausted fighting cancer, we really can start to turn the outcomes of cancer. And that was, that was really his big contribution to the fasting world. Wow. I mean, it's just, why right? is that not on the front page of the New York Times? Exactly. I mean, this is, and then it it, like, this is where I go. I start getting crazy because I go, okay, fasting doesn't take any time. It doesn't cost any money and it only takes knowledge. So when we look at worldwide, a third of people of the people on this planet have two or more chronic diseases. And when we look at what the food industry now, hopefully in Australia, it's better than in America, but I will tell you our horrific food is spreading to the rest of the world. So (laughs) it's been here for a while, Mindy. Really? Oh, it's freaking drives me. We're the, we are, we are the worst. Yeah. America is is the worst. We definitely don't have uh, PB and J in a can. We don't don't have spray cheese. (laughs) There there are a few limits we have not reached yet, but, uh, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Sydney and I know that the first time I was like eating anything there, I was like, oh my God, this tastes so different. Mm. The food here is really good. So I yeah. don't know if it's have I was on vacation. Access. No, but we definitely have a really great access to fresh food in most, yeah. most parts of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But if you look at the statistics on chronic disease yeah, and we look at and, and I'm, I'm going to just be very opinionated here. When we look at big food and we look at big pharma and we look at the profits that mm. are behind these two corporations, it's really hard to change the messaging that comes out of these two industries. It's very hard. I completely agree. And yeah, it can sound cynical, but at the end of the day, if it's free and anyone can do it, then that also means no money can be made from That's it. It right. can't be um, turned into a commodity. That's right. Uh, yeah. 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 And that's why I'm so passionate about this tool because, you know, here in America, you, you have to have some money to be able to even eat healthy. So what do we do with the person who's living paycheck to paycheck? Or, you know, maybe they're on welfare. They just, they don't have that resource, but they're, they have two or more chronic diseases that is costing so much to our healthcare system because they're on all these medications. Well, let's teach them to compress their eating window, eat your, eat your McDonald's within an eight hour eating window, like seriously. And then for well, the, the research rest of the- showed you, you shared the research yeah. earlier that said it wasn't so much about what they ate in that window. Yeah. It was more about the window itself. Yeah. Mm. So this is where I get so excited. And I think we could change the world if people understood what I just, what we just talked about and the, and what fasting can do for healing. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's scary. We don't know. Um, we don't have the medical community on board. Big pharma doesn't have any incentive to educate us on it. So 
little scrappy old me over here is trying to do everything I can to educate people. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the gifts of social media uh, to really be able to create those direct conversations with people looking for something different to the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, okay. That's very exciting. Read the fasting windows. Now some I've come across friends who've done Chinese fasting diets for like two weeks when they have to drink. Oh, the I haven't heard that one. Tea oh, okay. And, uh, there's yeah. a, a Chinese doctor who's well known here that does it. So maybe that's just something that I know because of Sydney, but um, is there any research you would like to share in those longer uh, areas or are we going to stick to 72 today? I kind of stick to 72. You know, a lot of people say we, we throw around the three to five day water fast and people often say, well, why would you go five days? And the idea is that on the third day, the stem cells kick in. So now on the fourth day, you're just getting stem cells all day. It's like a, a, sw- a dim- that's another dimmer switch where it just gets more and more and more. So we are seeing with five days, seven days, people are healing uh, musculoskeletal injuries that, that couldn't go away otherwise. Um, some chronic conditions, autoimmune conditions that people haven't been able to heal. We're finding the longer you fast, the more the body heals. But to your point, you know, I'm always cautious of how to explain that on a public platform, because the longer you go, the more coaching you need. Yeah, of course. Um, And so let's talk about women directly then, because things are a little different for women. And, uh, and the research is showing us some pretty interesting things. And then of course, you would have this N equals your following of people trialing different things and you would be seeing what's working and what's not. And what are you finding uh, to be able to be kind of some initial boundaries, guidelines for women to navigate fasting? Yeah. Yeah. So that I'll give a little backstory on it because I think it'll help people understand how I even started looking at a woman's cycle and timing it to fasting. Um, When I first started teaching fasting on my YouTube channel, um, I was about the time that the obesity code had just come out and everybody became what I call O matters, where they were one meal a day people. And they just ate one meal a day all the time. And initially they were losing a ton of weight. And then about five to six months into being an O-matter, they started to notice a couple of things. People started to notice that their hair was falling out. And then the second piece was women started to lose their menstrual cycle. And these people found my, my YouTube station and they started asking me questions. And I saw this like trend of like, hundreds of thousands of women who were fasting and they were losing hair and they were losing their cycle. So I dove in and started looking at, okay, what does estrogen need? What does testosterone need in a woman? What does progesterone need? And here's the most simple way I can explain it. Estrogen wants you to be insulin sensitive. And so whenever estrogen is coming in, in your cycle, which is the front half of your cycle, the the keto diet, paleo carnivore, if that's your groove, um, the longer fast, that will help estrogen tremendously. And if you have like, uh, we've seen a lot of changes in people who have infertility. um, If you're trying to lose a lot of weight, if you have estrogen dominance for any, any, so it works both ways. We find getting you insulin sensitive at the beginning of that cycle works really well. 
the, and then we, we talked about testosterone during ovulation that also works really well, but it's progesterone that messes us up. Progesterone does not want any spike in cortisol and fasting is a hormetic stress. It is a spike in cortisol. And so, but progesterone can't adapt to that. So if a woman is going into these longer fasts or going keto the week before her period, eventually she's going to tank progesterone. This leads to a couple of things. Anxiety goes up because progesterone calms you. I, I love, we have a, a mutual uh, love for Dr. Carrie Jones. Ah, I just, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah. And I love everything she does on Instagram, but the, she put a post the other day that I thought was brilliant. She said, progesterone's the hormone that tells you everything is going to be okay. Mm, it is. Yeah. And it's really true. Well, mm. so if you're fasting that week before your cycle begins, you are bringing testosterone down. You're not, you're going to feel anxious. You're not going to feel like everything's okay. And then on top of that, you're going to lose your cycle. And did you so, mean progesterone down just then? Not testosterone? Yeah. What did I? Yeah. yeah no, yeah, progesterone. Yeah, yeah. Did I, I just miss, wanted to, yeah. Cause people Sorry. might be making notes and I could always just say, yeah. All good. Progesterone. Mm -hmm. Progesterone is what you need to, mm. to, it does not want, progesterone doesn't want you to fast. Estrogen wants you to fast. Mm -hmm. Testosterone wants you to fast. Progesterone is like, nope, give me some carbs. And we're, we're actually more insulin resistant the week before our cycle. Yeah. And, and I think everyone who's ever reached for the chip packet on day yeah. 26 will go, oh, that's why. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then th to give women some sanity, you're not crazy when you want to reach for the chips. You know, it's your body is needing more carbs. Now, does that mean you sit on the couch and you eat a tub of, of ice cream and a bunch of popcorn? No, there are some smart carbs you can do things like potatoes and beans and squashes. And there's some fruits you can do that will raise progesterone nicely, but don't beat yourself up because you can't fast very well during that time or your carb cravings go up or your ketogenic diet is you're struggling with because you weren't meant to do those things the week before your period. Mm. And so we can literally follow um, fasting and what kind of foods we eat based on the cycle and what yeah. hormones are coming up and down. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. And so is it the first week of the cycle, like literally when we're on our periods, that is one of the best times to fast? Yes, yes. Mm. Here's, a, here's an easy way to do it is go Google a woman's hormone monthly cycle. And you will see that in the, when, our, when we start to bleed, our hormones actually dip tremendously down, which actually can be why usually in the first couple of days, we could feel a little bit better. It's the days leading up to our period, oftentimes that we're like anxious and irritable. But then once our period comes a day or two into it, we can kind of have a sense of like, oh, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. Well, that's because your hormones are at their lowest, but then about day two, three, your body's going to go to make estrogen and it'll do that for about eight days. And then from about day 10 to 11, your, your estrogen's peaking, your testosterone is peaking. And so there's going to be a shift there in how you feel. And then they come crashing down again. So it is in these down moments that fasting really shines. It's in these, the top moments of hormonal health or our hormonal swings that we have to alter our fasts. Mm -hmm. And so it, do we then kind of 
is it a cycling kind of thing that we're recommending here to people like to literally dip in and out of more fasted states? That's exactly Um, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so, you know, like men, men should do fasting. They could look at it on a weekly basis where maybe they do intermittent fasting all for five days out of the week. One day a week, they may do, you know, a longer fast, 24 hour fast. And then one day a week, they shouldn't fast. We are meant for variation with fasting. We are not meant to do the same fast over and over and over again. So a man could do a a plan like that. Uh, A postmenopausal woman could do a, a, a plan like that, but a menstruating woman needs to map it to a 30 day cycle. And the most simple version is fast, whatever style of fasting you want from day one to about day, you know, 1920, um, when you're about to make progesterone and then that week before your cycle, just don't fast. That's the most simple way. Now there are some nuances that we teach that are like, how do you maximize testosterone? And what if you want to do a three-day water fast? So there are some little things you can, we can put in there, but for simplicity's sake, that's the best way to look at it. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to foray into it. If someone's considering different things. Yeah. So can we look at um, fasting strategies when it's not going to plan? Like when you feel like something's not working here, I don't know why. How do we start to analyze what might be going on for us? Yeah. And I think it's, everybody's got a little different reason why it's not going Mm. right. I know it's hard to kind of, you don't want to generalize, right? But you must have seen some pretty common themes come up for people. For sure. Mm. So, so the first thing I would say is a lot of people will say, I can't get into ketosis. So, and um, the reason that this is important is to me, the languaging around ketosis is just meaning you can't click over. Like we talked about earlier, you're struggling to click over into this fat burning system. So we got to look at toxicity. That's a piece of it. Uh, We got to look at stress. We already talked about that. But when, unlike, I guess it would be a little bit like exercise. Fasting really does well with variation. So the best way to succeed at fasting is to try all different lengths of fasting. So if 15 hours is really difficult for you, then what I would say is, let's say right now you're eating eight hours uh, or you have an eight hour eating, uh, fasting window. The first step would be, can you go nine hours? If you went nine hours and you're like, oh, that was really hard. Try nine hours for a couple of days and then try a couple of days of not fasting and then go back into nine hours again. It's the in and out of fasting sometimes that can unstick us. And then you try that for a couple of weeks and then maybe you do, you try 10 hours and then you do a couple of days of no fasting and then you come back and maybe try 11 hours. It's a, it's a very, um, exercise is the only way I know how to explain it. If I want to start to lift more weights, I will go to the gym, lift weights, and then I might do yoga the next day. I might go on a run the next day. Then I'll go back to the gym and maybe I'll lift a little heavier And then I'll have a recovery period, do yoga the next day. Maybe I'll go on a hike the next day. Then I'll go back and I'll lift again. That's the principle I recommend if people are struggling is to really work on your variation. Mm. Interesting. Okay. 
I, I had a question about um, toxicity that came up. What was it? Okay, so is the reason people who have toxicities of various kinds um, are finding it tricky is that like it's trapped in our fat and that's a protective mechanism. And so our protection systems are like, don't you dare try and open this up and dissolve this. It, like it's very that- well said. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's, there's two reasons. Um, and I tell people this who want to lose weight. I think this is really important. I, I really want to take the shame and the guilt out of weight gain because weight gain, literally the fat that you hate, that you look in the mirror and you're like, I want that to go away. It saved your life. Yeah. Exactly. When you, when you had excess sugar, excess hormone, excess toxins, instead of putting that fat around your organs, your body put it around your belly and thank God it put it there. So now we want to get rid of it. So we use fasting to get rid of the excess. But if your detox, we call it your detox pathways are closed. If you're not having regular bowel movements, if you're not sweating, if your kidneys are already stressed, then your body might, it's so well designed. It may look around and go, I don't think it's safe to let go of this yet. I'm not feeling like we can let go of it. So your work then becomes lower your toxic load, sweat more, get your bowels going. Once those drink more water, move more. Once those pathways open up, now you may notice that fasting works a lot better for you because you you got to work with the intelligence of your body, not just the human body, your body. Mm, brilliant. Thanks for clarifying that. And so are there any other um, alarm bells situations where people have gone, oh my gosh, it's not working. And, uh, and there's been a, another reason why. Well, the, I'll tell you that, I'll tell you that, yeah, I'll tell you the biggest com- things that we hear. I'm not losing weight. So that's a big one. And I, we just address that. Um, I'm not getting into ketosis and I really feel like toxicity is a really big one there. Um, I've got a rash we hear, I mean, so many strange skin things we've seen, and that's just your body trying to get rid of toxins. So it pushes it out through the skin, um, brain fog. Sometimes people get like really bad brain fog. Again, that's just a detox reaction. Um, and then, the, and then women losing their cycle. Oh, hair loss. Let's talk about that one. Cause that's a really common one. So, and it's a different different issue. Um, we, again, I don't know how it is in Australia, but here in America, our soils are so depleted of minerals. We have really the lowest zinc in the world. Really Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. That's interesting with immunity. That's interesting. Huh? Mm. So I always tell people as you start to practice these fasts, just assume you're mineral deficient. Because the broccoli you've been eating has most likely been grown in soil that doesn't have the same vitamin and mineral content that it did years ago. So when we start to lose hair, when we fast, which I've I've, probably the most common question I answer outside of why can't I lose weight? It's a mineral deficiency. So we need to up our minerals when we start to go into these, especially the longer fasts. Um, but other than that, those are kind of the biggies that yeah. we see. And, and so it kind of begs the question then on the deficiency front, 
Uh, we're told we have to eat between 1,800 and 2,000 calories a day and we have to have this much protein and this many different fruits and vegetables. Now, if we're fasting a lot, does that mean we need to try and cram it all into the tiny window or um, does our body actually need less? Is our body then able to start producing its own vitamins, minerals, et cetera, for the most yeah. part? It's- What's happening there? Yeah, such a good question. And I think we you've probably talked about this on here it's really important to, to note that just because you take a supplement, you eat a food that's packed with nutrients, doesn't mean that those nutrients are getting into your cells. So if you have any kind of inflammation going on in your body, those nutrients are not going to be as effective as getting at getting in and activating what they need to activate inside the cell. When we fast, we are bringing cellular inflammation down. And as that inflammation comes down, that your supplement that you maybe haven't noticed any difference, you're taking it for years, you're still not noticing a difference, you might actually notice a difference now. You might start to see that you get energy from it. Um, that, uh, cup of blueberries that you want to take because it's got great antioxidants in it. Now, when you're eating that cup, you're getting those nutrients into the cell. Whereas it might've taken you three cups of those blueberries to get that same amount of antioxidant load. So you are literally charging your cells up and making them more efficient which means you most likely are going to need less food or less supplementation in order to be able to get the same nutritional result. Wow. So you could theoretically then, uh, wow. Sorry, sorry. I'm just having like a huge aha moment where our calorie recommendations have gone up over the 20th century and our nutrient quality has come down over the 20th century and so actually we're needing to eat more to get less which means we need to eat more to get less and we're never nourished Hmm. yep Uh, have you heard the term um we are overfed Overfed, undernourished undernourished. Yeah. yeah and so this is again i go back to chronic disease this is how we can start to make changes in cellular health is by teaching people how to fast because now when they do eat, they're going to get more nutrients out of their food. Um, we do, it does beg the question that a lot of people ask me, which is, well, what about my medications? What's going to happen? Are my medications, am I going to be more sensitive to my medication? And we are seeing that specifically with thyroid medication that as somebody fasts longer, they actually are needing to cut down on their thyroid medication. This is obviously something they would need to talk to their doctor about, but they, they will typically start to bring that medication down because the cells are bringing in the, uh, the thyroid hormone easier into the cell and utilizing that quicker. Whereas if you give that same person a thyroid medication and the cells are inflamed, the influx of that hormone will, will be much slower and less effective. And this, when you hear a lot of women that are people in general, but a lot of women who say, well, I'm taking thyroid medication, but I'm not feeling anything. It's like, okay, we'll try adding some intermittent fasting and see if your medication works more effectively for you 
now. Wow, that's interesting. And so then people do find that they they start to feel the benefits more because it's actually yes. getting in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We actually find we actually find on uh, between um, it's thyroid is a big one and uh, diabetes is the other one metformin that people really have to start to taper down those medications as they fast more because mm-hmm. the cells are less inflamed. They're more receptive to nutrients and chemicals coming in and to the hormones coming in. Mm, so so yeah. true. And I know that as I've gotten better um, through my mold illness journey, that I can tell when certain supplements have to be tapered off. 5-HTP was the first one. I used to have to take 200 milligrams a night just to get a few hours sleep. And then it started giving me nightmares as we moved out of the water damage building. Um, I started having horrific nightmares. I'm like, okay, which of my supplements is um, brain related, like in terms of affecting my brain? It was that one. And so I tapered it down to 100, not so crazy, 50, still sleeping, got rid of it altogether, just fine, you know. And I think we forget that it is a constant um, reanalysis and reassessment of things that we might have been put on for one reason. Maybe that reason's not relevant anymore. And I think we we need to be really mindful of that. Yes, yes, so well said. And again, such a upside of fasting is as your cells clean their act up, as cellular inflammation comes down, this innate healing sense inside our body magnifies and everything from medication to supplements can possibly at that moment become not necessary. And, uh, you know, again, I want to say on the, on the medication standpoint, this is why we want doctors to understand fasting. This is why we want to involve your doctor in that conversation. Uh, in, on my YouTube channel, I put out usually once or twice a month, a new study so that doctors can go and look at the research and make educated decisions for themselves. But when somebody starts to clean their life up through using fasting, they don't need as many supplements. They don't need as much food. They don't need as medications like blood pressure medication and cholesterol medication and thyroid. Like these are things that have to be altered. And it's really important to get your doctor involved in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I want to talk about the brain as a last question. It's a big one. Uh, and um, I think it's something really uh, amazing that that we see potential from fasting in improving the state of our brains. And the research seems to be building uh, more and more over time. Um, What is happening to our brains in um, these different fasting lengths? Uh, And for people who are thinking, oh, I just keep misplacing my keys or uh, I feel this crazy fog and I just can't get through that task. Um, you know, we can't accept this as normal just because it's common. We have to admit that this actually needs working on. So what can fasting bring to the table for the brain? Yeah. Oh, I, I, hopefully Dale talked a little bit about he it. He did. Yes, yeah. he okay. did. Yeah. So I would say that there's three things that I see that we can brain influences we can have with fasting. Um, the first is ketones. So, and ketones will come in at different periods for everybody, but I would say usually about a 15 hour fast, uh, we consistently see ketones come in. 
What key to, the brain needs 50% of what the brain needs for in order to work right is glucose. And the other 50% is ketones. So if we are not getting ketones, we are missing out on a key nutrient, a key fuel system that the brain needs. Now, what ketones will do is they will go up and find any injured neuron and they will repair an injured neuron. So neurons in the brain, what they do is they transmit information. So when you walk into a room and you're like, why did I walk into the room? What you've got is you've got neurons that are not sending information across to other neurons to allow you to understand why you're walking into the room. Or how many times have we been in a conversation and we're like, what was I talking about? It's like, that's a stuck neuron. It's the information isn't getting across to the next neuron and ketones will absolutely repair that. The second thing is that there are certain cells in the body that are highly susceptible. And I mean this in a positive way to autophagy and the two sets of cells that really love and respond to autophagy. Well, are believe it or not, the ovaries and the Mm -hmm. testes. Oh, wow. Right. So reproductive tissue, because we are made to survive and procreate. Yeah, of course. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Uh, The eye is another one, by the way, because we need to be able to see, to be able to hunt and then the brain. So you can start to bring inflammation down. You can start to repair like mold here. That would be an amazing place to try to get more autophagy, uh, stimulating, use fasting to stimulate autophagy, to be able to clean up those cells so that it could get rid of the mold. And then for someone like you, I would say, put a binder in at night. You said that earlier, take two binders at night, just to make sure we're grabbing onto it, but we can start to repair. I like to say we help show it out of the building. Here we go. Here is the exit. Oh, she goes. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So you could use, Mm. you could use 17 hour fasts as a way to get the mold out of those cells that are in the brain and then escort it out with the binders. And it would be a great little hack for, for the mold brain. Mm. So, so brain is really, um, helped by autophagy. And we know this because do you know that your brain actually goes into a state of autophagy when you sleep? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's why sleep is so important. Well, if you combine that with more 17 hour fasts, you're now giving the brain more tools to repair. And then the third thing is neurotransmitter production. So as ketones go up, so does GABA. So people who ask anybody who's been in like a three-day water fast, they will tell you, I was so calm on that third day. Well, and many times they don't even want to talk. And the reason that that is so important is that in a world that's highly anxious, uh, we can use these ketones to just calm ourselves and to bring the brain, the over-analytical brain down to a slower pace. So, you know, any of my patients that are, have anxiety, we really look at how do we get you ketones on a fairly regular basis so that you can get more GABA and keep that brain in a calmer state. And then the last one I've already mentioned, which is dopamine and the resetting of these dopamine receptor sites. So that's like three major brain 
conditions. It's pretty from, appealing. Right? <laughs> from one activity that's free. Yeah. I just want to point that part out. Yeah, I love it. And and so obviously someone somewhere, they're always trying to turn things into commodities and you see a lot of ketone supplementation products on the market. Um, can you speak to that? I mean, should anyone, like if someone's finding it really hard to make ketones, is that an option to get them going or should we just stay away from all of that and start training our bodies? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a purist. I feel like we, our bodies heal so miraculously. Let's tap into all the free resources that we have. Um, exogenous ketones. There's a couple of issues with it. If you take it from the outside in, you, you are telling your body, Hey, I know what to do. And you are, you are bringing in a substance that it only produces when blood sugar is down. So if I eat a big meal and then I take exogenous ketones, we have no idea what that does when blood sugar is high and ketones are high. And we, we still, we have no research on it. We don't know, but that you have now gone away from the natural state of the body. The second thing is if you keep giving the body ketones, will it be able to make it itself? And we don't have, these are just questions that we ask in the fasting world. I, I think it's a little bit like thyroid medication. The more you take it, the less the body produces it because you've manipulated the system. Absolutely. I mean, look at yeah. EDCs, endocrine disruptive chemicals. That's there you go. Perfectly sending our, yeah. our hormones haywire, blocking them, mimicking them, and yeah. our bodies get confused. Yeah. Mm. Now, having said that, there are some interesting times that you might want to use exogenous ketones. Alzheimer's is one of those times. Um, and you, what you would want to do is make sure that the blood, like maybe give it in a little small amount when the blood sugar was low. So before a meal, because remember, we're not meant to have high blood sugar and high ketones. So maybe before in a fasted state, before a patient with Alzheimer's was to eat a meal, maybe you give a little ketones and see if that starts to repair neurons in the brain. The other place we've used it or recommended it is in kids. Um, same thing applies. You would want to try to do it before they eat, but any children that have ADD or learning disabilities, um, a little bit of exogenous ketones could be very reparative to the brain, help them with focus and, and keep them a little bit calmer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But you'd want to do it in small amounts Mm -hmm. and really, and again, if you had a functional medicine doctor you were working with, that would be the best. Yeah. And then the last place we've used it is back to some of the questions you've asked, which is what about that person that can't get into ketosis? Well, if you're in 14 hours, 15 hours into a fast and you're hungry, your blood sugar doesn't feel like it's coming down quick enough. Your ketones aren't going up enough. At that point, every once in a while, throwing in some exogenous ketones could be a little trick to help it get over that hump. Like jump-starting the car. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. But once it's humming, you let it do its thing. Yeah. Exactly. I love a good exactly. analogy for yes, the Yes, that was great. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's a really great answer because I think it can just be so easy to read the yeah. blurb on a supplement website and go, oh, that's what I need. Yes. Actually, you need body intelligence. That's what we're trying I, to Oh, do. I love it. Mm. Yes. I love that. I, I'm going to start using that. Yes. Actually, 
you need body intelligence and you already have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's tap into it. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm sure you find this. It's like, in, in, especially when you're talking to all these functional medicine experts, the intelligence is there. It's the awareness of the intelligence that's missing. And so what I've loved about fasting is you could give me the most dubious person who doesn't believe in self-healing that is a hundred percent indoctrinated into uh, more allopathic medicine and just let me fast them for a couple of days and they will discover how intelligent their body is. It, there's, there's no doubt at that point. It's so mm. cool. Yeah. And yet I think we're almost terrified of hunger. It's been like, and maybe that might be an intergenerational, like, you know, wartime ancestors and that epigenetics has been passed down and hunger equals trauma for so many people. And I think there's some really interesting historical, emotional things we could be unpacking to start tapping back into our intelligence and feeling calm around not having food again. It's like, it's right there when we, when we, when it's time, but right now we don't need it. And it's okay. Hmm. It, that's so well said. And I think it's something to be aware of as you start to fast more, mm. um, our messaging around food, um, is for all of us is a little different and yeah. can frankly be a little mixed up. I know I had a mom who taught me if you're having a bad moment, if you're ha- if your energy's <laughs> low, if you're having a bad day, know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of those moms? Yeah. Well, well make- food, food is love and it's comfort yes. and it's, you know, it's, it's kindness to oneself. It's like, Oh, don't worry. Let's all just sit down and have a treat together. Mm. Yes. So that's a challenge because you, if you were taught that at three years old, that's in your neurology, that food is comfort. And now you're 33 years old and you're trying fasting. And that first moment you're uncomfortable when you're fasting, what are you going to, what are you going to go to? What are you going to lean into? And what we've experienced in doing this with hundreds of thousands of people is that you have an opportunity in that moment to just acknowledge the thought that's coming in and to maybe find something else that comforts you. Maybe it's listening to some music. Maybe it's getting out in nature and going for a walk. Maybe it's taking a nap, but you can actually grow new neurons in your brain that identify comfort with something else other than food. So when we hear people say, well, you know, I have a sugar craving or I have a food addiction, um, I find that if you're gentle with your fasting and you're learning it in a small, very compassionate way, you can actually learn to overcome a lot of the mental limitations that hold you back with food. Yeah, absolutely. And I find journaling can be really great. Like just open up a page and think of the 10 things that don't involve food that bring you joy and comfort. And then just start mixing it up because all the ads and all of the comms around, um, you know, here, have a break, have a Kit Kat here, you know, like, uh, you know, you can't have a party without Pringles and just all the BS that we've been saturated by, it gets in there, but it's not impossible to get it out. Yeah. Mm. But what's so cool about fasting is you might not even be aware of it. Mm, So it kind of bubbles to the surface and there it is. It's like, 
right there for you to experience. Mm. We, um, we do in our community 15 day experiences where we take people through different versions of eating and fasting so that they can kind of in a controlled environment, see how this up and down experience with fasting works. And so much of what we are doing is teaching people how to deal with those limiting beliefs when they Mm. come up. Yeah. But if they don't, if they don't ever come up, you'll ha- you'll never know they're there. And yeah, you- that's it. Well, that is for me one of the very appealing aspects to fasting is that it actually takes you to the edge of your comfort zone. And when you are at the edge of a comfort zone, you have a lot of realizations and a lot of confronting thoughts, things that in a comfortable world you never bring to the surface. And and I think the human body is actually wired to seek out tension moments to seek out resilience building moments but we've built a world where that is less and less likely that we would need resilience in any given day you know we can have our food we get like have the tv like everything is right there and um and i think that for me is one of the the real benefits to something like fasting on top of all of the amazing things you've talked about is like life was actually for a healthy for a human body to be healthy, for a species to be healthy, adversity is actually a part of the package. Ooh, ooh, mm. So well said. Yeah, I, I agree. And the modern world has not, I mean, outside of what we're all dealing with, with the pandemic, but outside of that, the modern world has not given us that opportunities to face that adversity. If anything, we're doing the opposite. I can sit on my couch and order a meal and have it delivered to my front door. And I never left my couch. Yeah. Yeah. The 1918 pandemic was a little bit more resilience building than this one. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I I don't even have to wait. If I want to watch Netflix, I can watch the next show right away. I don't have to wait. We don't have that tension. We don't even have the tension of wondering what happened to Samantha. We get to find (laughs) out in two minutes after we make ourselves another tea and fix ourselves a bowl of ice cream. (laughs) So so true. You don't even have a time for a potty break and you're going to find out. (laughs) So well said. Too funny. Okay. So to wrap us up after this epic conversation, I would like for you to issue us a little bit of an invitation. Like what could we think about, you know, maybe for a woman, it's like, okay, where are you at in your cycle? So this is what you could do. Or for the guys, uh, you know, maybe something that somehow we could all jump into and experience fasting this week. Oh, this week. Yeah. So here's what, here's the beginner step. I would say, hopefully you're inspired by what we're talking about. I I, I think the first thing is knowledge is power. So when you understand why you would want to fast, it definitely strengthens your fasting focus. So if you need more information, you can go to my YouTube channel. I got a bunch over there that will teach you how to fast and get you excited about it. So once you have that, like Ooh, I got to do this. This is really cool. Then the fir- the next step, like you can do this tomorrow is just push your breakfast back an hour. Now, here's what's going to happen in that pushing the breakfast back an hour. There's going to be one of two things. The first is you may be uncomfortable. If you are awesome, because to your point, you're creating resilience, but to the body's point, you are creating something called a hormetic stress and hormetic stress is where the body will adapt. 
So just, just do that day after day, like for the next week, just commit to pushing your breakfast back an hour, just do it for a week. And then I ask you, where are you in a week? Is it easier in a week? And if it's easier in a week, then next week, push it back another hour and then see how you do for a whole week doing that. And the first like fasting level to get to is 13 hours. Can you get to that platform? So that's pretty easy. Most everybody can kind of experience that. The second thing that might happen is maybe you push it back an hour and you're like, that was nothing. I, I, I don't know what everybody's talking about. That was easy. Then the next day, push it back two hours and keep pushing it back each day until you hit discomfort. Because at discomfort is where this beautiful adaptation click kicks in. The last thing I'd say for women is just the, what I would love to see women do is acknowledge how she, her cravings change, her energies change, and her moods change within a 30-day cycle. And then use fasting. How can we use fasting and eating and even some mindset tools to work with her cycle? So if it's the week before your period and you're craving carbs, could you have a sweet potato instead of French fries? So how about we go to a better choice carbohydrate? If you are a week into your period, you're four days into your period and you're not hungry, awesome. Could we stretch that day a little bit longer? And maybe could you go to just one meal or two meals that day? I find so many women are out of rhythm with their own monthly cycle that if you could just see that the front half you're not as hungry and the back half you are, and there's a reason for that. That would be huge right there. That would oh, be such a big, so huge. And I mean, you know, when you think about how recent it is that we've had women involved in uh, medical research, I mean, we're talking literally just a, like two or three decades. It's not right. a very long time. And so when you hear breakfast is the most important meal of the day, because research says so, that research did not involve women on days one through eight. So yeah. no, do you know where, do you know where breakfast is the most important meal a day came mm. from? I love to dispel this myth. Oh, yay. Please. In the, ni- in the 1970s, Kellogg's needed a slogan for their new corn. <laughs> there stores. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, let's let everybody know breakfast is the most important meal a day. I can't find any research proving that. That's awesome. I mean, in the worst possible yeah. way that, um, oh, I love <laughs> that. That is so Definitely. good. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So if you're not hungry at breakfast, honestly, you are not doing yourself a disservice by not eating because right. breakfast is yeah. important. It was actually Kellogg's yes. that said so. Brilliant. Yes. Done. Yeah. And do you know how many people tell me, oh my God, thank you so much. I wasn't hungry for breakfast, but mm. I've been making myself eat it because I thought it was the most important meal of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. So interesting. Mindy, thank you so much. This was a great, great interview. I feel like we covered so much good stuff. Um, Hopefully people feel a little bit clearer uh, and a little bit less uh, afraid maybe of fasting and uh, you're going to incorporate it in some way into your day. Please let us know in the show notes, comments. We've popped all of Mindy's resources if you want to connect to her work as well. Mindy Peltz, thank you so much once again. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. 
Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.